All right. Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV as I like to call it. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, creator and founder of not only just a live TV, but also the Women Supporting Women Can Network. Go and take a look at those. Uh, you can reach me and my guest speaker links in the description of this episode. Today's sponsor is Phoenix Identity. If you're feeling like you want to end it all, please, and I can't stress this enough, please reach out to a prevention hotline near you to help you. Um, as you know, I have to be careful how I word it. Otherwise, the show won't be aired on certain platforms. But we are definitely talking about um, when you want to unalive yourself. So that is what today's episode is about. Uh, Phoenix Identity, if you'd like to learn how to reconnect to who you are and what makes you happy and feel like life is worth living, please set up a clarity session. We are here to help. Link in the description. All right. I'm going to hand it over to my guest speaker today, who is Juliana Bruno. And would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Juliana Bruno, and I uh, started a nonprofit called Social Refugees which, whose mission is twofold, really. Uh, it's to bring um, awareness to these tough topics we're going to talk about today, to kind of uh, create a space where people can talk about it openly and honestly, because sometimes a lifeline really is being able to speak openly and honestly about issues that you're dealing with or things that you're feeling. Uh, and we do that through art. We partner artists in a field uh, that the client is interested in tapping into. We partner them with a the client. Our clients have are anyone who's been suffering with issues associated with death, suicide, or um, mental health. We partner them with an artist and through that mentoring sessions or session or sessions, they develop a body of work. And then we find a place in the community to showcase the work. And it could be any kind of art. It can be music, it can be fine art, it can be media art. Uh, it's really an open field. And then, uh, and then in showcasing that in the community, it creates a space that the community can talk about it and um you know art is a really healing venue for that uh you know I, probably every single one of us here today has used music to either bring up our mute and create something more joyful for ourselves whether it be getting ready to go out or listening to music in the car on your way somewhere or at a party or if you're feeling down you've listened to music to cheer you up or read a story that cheers you up or something like that art's really powerful and so through that medium we hope to help people who are having a hard time absolutely i love that absolutely love that i am i'm, I'm music when so i can't sing with shit uh part of my thing <laughs> if at any point i swear in this please know that it's just my passion coming through i cannot sing um i can dance i can't dance like everybody else <laughs> Um, but I'll have little dance parties and I turn the music as high as I can so that nobody else can hear my singing. And I, and it's, it's freeing to me. My happy place is in my car driving with the music blasting and I'm singing. Nobody's talking to me. Nobody's distracting me. And I'm just, I'm going right. And I, and I'm in that moment. Um, 
And being in the moment is a huge part of mental health. And it's a huge part of healing. Now, I'm an identity coach. I am a mindset, uh, mental and emotional health expert um, when it comes to doing all that. And I love that you said sometimes it's just it's just having that open space to talk. And that is, we'll, we'll get into more of those later, but um, being able to have a judgment-free space where mm-hmm. somebody can just listen, that is so utterly important. Now, I'm going to segue that into some of the causes of feeling like you're suicidal. Now, um, there are you know, chemical imbalances that do cause, you know, great depressions and um, the need to, to not be here anymore. And unfortunately, in, in some of those cases, there's not a lot that we can do, right? Um, but there's, it, always try, right? Mm-hmm. Always try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you, right, just, right. and you have thought that, please always try, try something different, try something new, you know, try and talk to somebody around that, that can help you. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stress that a million times in this episode. Um, but again, when it comes to what causes it, you know, for me, it's, it's a disconnect. There, there's a disconnect between who you are and how you're living or who you are and how you're expressing of who you are and how you handle things. We, and this is why I segued into that is when you're feeling, um, I'm just give me a second because my thoughts are all kind of scattering here. I'm going to, I'm going to let you add on to that for a minute while I, while I try to backtrack in my head. on where I was. Sure, sure. So uh, you were discussing reasons why people might find themselves in a space where they're contemplating suicide. It can be a lot of things. People can, it can definitely be what you were mentioning. It's, it's, it can be a mental illness or a mental health issue. It can be uh, an abuse situation involving drugs or alcohol or other being abused. Uh, It can be feeling like an outcast and alone. Uh, Sometimes people will contemplate suicide because it's kind of an altruistic behavior. They sort of feel like, well, my friends and family will be better off if I'm just not here anymore. Something catastrophic could have happened to them, maybe a death of someone close by, maybe, um, you know, suicide always spikes when the, in a recession or something like that, when the economy's not doing well, um, you know, certainly things, yeah, like a pandemic also play into into that. And sometimes people are in a position where they're so overly controlled by something else that they feel they can't get out of it or they can't perform to a certain standard of expectation or, or something like that. So, and many more, many more reasons. There's, there's so many, it is um, just this kind of feeling of lost a lot of time that just gets more and more profound uh, and then is compiled by maybe one or more of the things we're talking about or you know just the prolonged time of being in that place uh, th- there's a lot of things that can kind of get someone to that space so I, I did remember where I was going with that okay I, <laughs> good with that each of us have our own path and and you can be spiritual or non-spiritual. I I don't care where you are on that spectrum. We each have a different path. We're going to walk. We're individuals, right? We are individually 
um, who we are. I'm Melissa, you're Juliana, whoever's watching, you're you. There is no person that you can have an identical twin and they will not be or, or act or think the same way that you do. So right. when we're talking about uh, going back a few minutes ago, when we talked about that judgmental space or that judgment free space, if you're in a situation, say you and I have had the exact same situation. It's not going to impact me the same way it's going to impact you. You're not going to react to it the same way that I would react to it. Everybody is different. And I think that one of the things is having that safe space, that judgmental free space is knowing that your experience is uniquely your own. Right. Right. And while you can have somebody like Juliana and me who can sit down and say, you know, I understand because we do. Um, I have an innate ability to, you can tell me a situation and I can tell you every possible reason you would be there or every possible way that you would feel coming out of that situation. It's insane, but, but I do it. And being able to say, you know, um, you look at celebrities and, and I started coaching when two of my favorite musicians had committed suicide and it was back to back. My oldest child was having issues at that point with their mental health. They were cutting. Um, A friend of mine had committed suicide or an acquaintance of mine had committed suicide, leaving behind a child that was the same age as mine. Um, And I was very angry about that. And then it just this whole spiral effect. And during that time, it got me thinking that, you know, it doesn't matter where your stage is, but one of the reasons I I created my coaching practice was because I could see high profile individuals. And and I'm not saying this is not directed at anyone in particular, but high profile individuals, you can look at them and they could say, you know, I'm really not happy. Um, Kardashian, and I've used this story a few times, uh, was premiere of Keeping Up with Kardashians. I don't watch the show, but I had caught it that day. Um, And Courtney had said, you know, I'm, she had started crying and said, you know, I'm really unhappy. Like I have everything, but I'm unhappy. And I'm sitting there going, hi, like, I understand that. I know what that's like. Let's, let's talk. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter who you are, how much fame you have, how much money you have, how many friends you have, how much isolation you have. Nobody is going to be the same as you. Mm -hmm. So I go back again and say, your situation is unique to you. So the way that you feel about it is unique to you. Um, Anybody watching, if you get to a point where you're considering even suicide, that is unique to you because that situation is going to be different for absolutely everybody. I have a child who would tell people that she was going to commit suicide and did it for attention. I can actually say it was done for attention. You know, a lot of people will say that and it's not. Right. And that's scary. Right. Exactly. Um, I think that's one of the hardest thing for uh, people, you know, when they ask, well, what can I do if there's someone I know who might be suicidal or who is really suffering in some way? And um, you hit it on the head. It's really not, you know, to be there for support, you know, undying support. And it might it it might involve driving them to the emergency room. It might involve drive them driving them to um, 
appointments, doctor's appointments or something like that, or getting them into a 72-hour watch program or a whole host of these physical things that you do. But it's also just being support for them, giving them a space to talk about it, not being afraid to say the word suicide or talk about it uh, and not uh, being, you know, saying like, I, I don't really know how to talk about this with you, but I'm going to, you know, if you need to say that disclaimer to yourself, you know, out loud, so you feel more confident about in speaking to whomever it is, but it's also realizing it's their experience. You know, it, you shouldn't say things like, oh, well, it'll get better. And, you know, well, your life's not that bad or, you know, all these judgmental kind of communication should not be part of your communication with that person. It should be, I support you. I hear what you're saying. Tell me about it. You know, how are you feeling? How did this happen? Do you think you need help? Do you have help and not enough? Do you need help navigating the system? Because Certainly the mental health system is a real challenge to navigate when we're feeling, you know, in our best spaces. But when you're suffering with depression or suicidal thoughts or a whole host of other things, just driving yourself somewhere to get that help is impossible. Just walking, when I worked in the university system, you know, we would on occasion walk students to the mental health facilities because they could not make it there themselves by that time. That's how that's how bad it gets for some people. And just really being there, you know, some families who are really kind of this this might be a something they've recognized for a while now or something like that. Family and friends might want to get together and have a game plan, you know, physically written down. Here are the numbers to the so-and-so's, you know, doctors. Here are the numbers to the one person that seems to really be able to talk to them in their time of need. Here are some steps for what we're going to do. Here's the, you know, 988 is you can text or call that number. It's a national suicide hotline that should be in there. You know, whatever you need, who's going to pick up the pieces, you know, and and just checking in on the person, checking in on them, you know, maybe maybe bring them a sandwich or something like that. Just just showing them that what they're going through matters and it matters to you and you're here and you see them. Yeah, I would like to add, don't forget that doesn't define them. Right, right. But, um, mental health whether that's suicidal thoughts, whether that is um, a debilitating uh, disability, whatever it looks, that doesn't define the person that you're dealing with, right. the person that you're working with or loving or talking to. Their illness or their mental health does not define who they are as a person. Right. And I think that um, we've done episodes on special needs children. We've done episodes on dealing with toxic people and that doesn't define the person that they are. That just shows that they're in a place where their individual personality is not showing. Right. Their individuality is not there, right? Their connection to who they are is not there. That doesn't mean that they're 
for the rest of their life going to be this suicidal person that you can't talk to or that you have to be afraid for or afraid to be around or anything along right. those lines. No. And one other thing I'd like to mention for, for anybody who is a family or, or a friend or, or an acquaintance of somebody who is suicidal, you don't always know. Right. Uh, a lot of the times, and, and in my experience, and I'd like you to, to correct me if I'm wrong, Juliana, um, because you deal this, with this a lot more than I have, is the people who are, I don't want to say successfully going to go through with it, um, aren't going to say anything. Right. I mean, that. yeah, that can sometimes be true. A lot of times it is, especially if they're feeling isolated or that no one's listening. Um, there are, yeah, shame. There are a lot of, uh, you know, kind of things you can look for or, or see, like someone starts to give away all their possessions. You know, if they're not openly talking about suicide or writing suicidal, you know, notes or things like that, they are collecting, you know, whatever it is they're going to do, whether it be weapons or pills or or whatever, you know, if you don't see those really obvious signs, it can also be things like, just um, subtle changes in their personality, uh, things they're no longer excited about doing anymore, which they used to do with you all the time. Um, you know, it might be sleeping a lot. It might be being more, ang you know, quick to anger than, and it might be uh, the opposite of that. Just some sort of subtle change can happen too, you know? So, and, and that goes undetected a lot of times because we all kind of are up and down a little bit. You know, we go through our, our you know, times of great happiness and something will happen that's challenging or sad or whatnot. And so it's really hard to pinpoint that without, you know, and keep it in a framework of, uh, well, is this really just somebody living their life or is this something or is this something I should be paying attention to? You know, it comes down to just trusting your intuition, I think, too, a lot of the time. But you don't, you know, sometimes you just don't know and there's nothing you can do or say about it because you don't know. You're unaware, you know, and then oftentimes if somebody is on the other end of that, which, you know, in social refugees, we work with people who have lost loved ones uh, due to suicide uh, and other things. And um, it's uh, oftentimes those people can feel a lot of guilt. And it's, um, it's really hard because I think, oh, maybe I should have said something, or maybe if I would have went out with them for dinner when they asked me to, they'd still be here, or, you know, all these hosts of things you say to yourself, and um, you can't really ever say, you know, that that's not true, that's not true, that's, um, there is some um, failing of the system that's happening there because there should be a system in place to kind of catch people but it's it's a challenging you know system to navigate as i was saying earlier but it's not because they didn't know you loved them they knew you loved them you know probably that love got them through other hard times you don't even know about you know and they did love you dearly too you know it's it's so much more than that it's it's so much more to that and society kind of extracts it down to this well somebody 
you know, didn't take them to dinner, didn't pick them up and give them a ride or, you know, I didn't want to, I, uh, the most typical one I see a lot is I didn't pick up their phone call, you know, uh, and that's not, that's, that's, that's not on you. We had, um, the acquaintance of mine that, that had committed suicide, um, had posted on Facebook and, mm outwardly when she posted it was very upbeat she was beautiful had you know amazing you know progress um and she had posted a song um the the post before the song was I tried to reach you I couldn't get a hold of you um and and a few other things and then she posted this song and I can't listen to this song now without thinking about her because I caught that I caught that post as soon as it was posted. And, you know, the thought went in my head, I should have listened to that. I should have seen her last few posts and known that this was going to happen. And um, she didn't end up um, committing suicide shortly after that post. But um, the question was, you know, if I had messaged her, would it have made a difference? If I had reached out or kept in contact more, would that have made a difference? It is a very internal thing for the people who are left behind. It is a very, you know, we we put that on ourselves. Could we have made a difference? Could this have changed? Now, to all of you who have lost a loved one to suicide or, you know, futuristically, if you lose a loved one to suicide, forbid. But at the same time, if it happens, remember to number one, give yourself grace and give them grace. Because everybody is doing the best that they can with the knowledge they're given. Right. It's that's all we can do, right? We're living right. life to the best of our ability with the knowledge that we have. We can look back and go, "Oh, I wish I had done that differently. I wish I had done that differently." But you didn't know. You didn't know to do it differently, right? right? You didn't exactly. know to ask that question. You didn't know to to pick up the phone. You didn't know to be there, you know, because you're living your life too. And I and I caution every to, everybody to remember that decision to do that is entirely on them. It has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with anyone but themselves making that decision. You could and cannot ever control somebody else's behaviors. Right. Right. You know, and it's not, um, I don't want to, I want to make sure we make the distinction that although we're saying it's not something that you did that caused someone to attempt suicide it but at the same time support anyone in need as much as possible sure. you know because that could be the lifeline that could be the difference you know of um all the people that attempt suicide 90% of them go on to live life, you know, afterwards. And so uh, of the people who attempted, uh, suicide itself is uh, the 10th leading, it's a leading cause of death in the United States is 10th. So, uh, but those who commit, who, who attempt, 90% of them go on uh, to live life afterwards. So it's one harkens back to what you're saying is it's not it's not a defining characteristic of the person, but also, yeah, we do need to support people as much as we can, um, the best that we can, 
but we can't do and be everything. Yeah. And if so, yeah, exactly. If somebody is going to uh, attempt suicide or follow through with suicide, that is not that that is not the failing of someone here. It's not the failing of the person who attempted or succeeded either. It's 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 not a blame game. You know, it's it's not that. It's it's something more than that that we've all we all as human beings can understand. You know, um, all of us struggle with some some type of mental health, whether it's anxiety or stress or you know other things. But those are the two most common that everyone everyone deals with, and and you can just think of yourself in these times of stress how how clear thinking are you you know how how are you feeling in that moment it can be excruciating you know it's not it's not something that you can place blame on or say well if this happened this wouldn't have happened or you never know you you can't say that that's tomorrow's episode. Who am I in this moment? Right? It's who am I right now? Right. Right. And I think one of the things I'd like to mention definitely uh, for, for me before we get going here is when you ask somebody if they need help or, or if you want to help something, there, there's two points here. Please remember that if you want to help somebody, help them the way that they need. If you're not comfortable with that, then find a different way. Then, then talk that out. But communicate in that way. How can I help you? What do you need? Now, if you're comfortable doing what they need, whether that be, sorry, <laughs> my husband's calling apparently, um, ask somebody you know, how can I help you? And when they give you a, a way, remember that it's not about how you want to help them. It's how they need help, right? And that's why I say lead with love. Now, leading with love means that I'm going to help you. If I don't feel comfortable helping you in the way that you need, I'm going to do whatever I can to find somebody that will or to discuss it with you and say, you know, what, I'm not really comfortable with that, but is there some other way that I can, that I can help you and finding that happy medium, because we always have to put ourselves first. Um, we all, we're always our number one priority that we always should be our number one priority, but at the same time, again, lead with love and say, how can I help you? Not how can you take my help? How can I help you? Right, right. And um, let me only offer you these three things for my help, which all of them I've decided are what you need, you know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you kind of have to take that position, especially if you're a parent, that's, um, that's a little bit more of a fine line there, you know, and sometimes someone's in such crisis, you do have to take the reins, so to speak, you know, but it's uh, checking in checking in if that happens and yeah, they give and, options right right and, right you know somebody's in a space where they mentally don't know what they need don't know how you can help don't know any of that if they're in that in that worst case scenario go these are what i these are the three options 
which one right. are you most comfortable with? Because these, one of these three is going to happen um, because I'm not going to let you go um, right. and give them that, that opportunity to one, start taking back control, right? When you give somebody right. options and they're, I have what's called the rock star method. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to throw this out there. I have what's called the rock star method. And this is revolutionary for when you are in a high stress, high crisis moment and you are so overwhelmed emotionally, I have a eight-step method that will get you out of that in minutes. In minutes, you will become, you'll come back to yourself and go, in minutes. Um, I have that in a, in a, in a PDF, ask for that. If you need that, I, I will gladly post that um, for anybody who wants that. But what it is, is recognizing how you feel. You have to recognize how you feel. And if that's somebody saying you are a danger to yourself right now, I need you to recognize this. I need you to like, obviously the rockstar method, I haven't tested it in that, in that moment. Um, and I'd rather not. I'd, <laughs> you know, that's obviously something I'd, I'd rather not because I don't want anybody to be in that moment. Um, but it's to help you embrace your emotions and really understand how to how to control them. But when you give somebody back control, when they don't feel like they're in control, um, sometimes suicide is just that a need for control. It's a mm -hmm. need to feel in control of their life, of their feelings, of their emotions, and and even removing themselves from from the equation to take back their control. Right. So, yeah. Um, anything you'd like to add before we get going? <laughs> There's so much to add. It's a, it's a tough conversation in a half an hour's time, you know, but I do want to remind everybody that if you are struggling with suicide, you can call or text the hotline. 988 is the national hotline. That one's for the US, right? What? I'm is sorry. That just for the US? Yes. Okay. Um, and, uh, and all there are local local hotlines in your area. As soon as you Google it, they'll all come up. Uh, and to really consider if you have someone in your family or your friend group that you feel is struggling to uh, really support them and be there for them, check in on them, um, use positive language with them. Uh, if, if, you can make a plan with the others that are close to the person. So you're all on the same page. If you do have to take some sort of action somewhere um, and just to have numbers handy when you need them. And if somebody is having a really hard time, you might, you might have to help them fill out paperwork or you might have to get them to a doctor's appointment. If, if they so choose to do those things, it's really hard to navigate the current system when you're so depleted, you, you're having a challenging time even getting out of bed. So um, just know that, and you know, you could do everything and it could still not have the outcome you're hoping for. And that you don't, that's, that's nothing for you to feel, to carry around as something you didn't do right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in Canada, we have the kids help phone. We have Talk Canada. We have um, multiple ones. So check your local listing, put it in Google, uh, suicide prevention hotlines. 
um, or text and talk, whatever that, whatever that looks like for you, wherever you are in the world, because I do know that we have viewers all across the globe. So make sure right. that you're finding your, um, your location that works for you. What, what's, you know, find that help. And I, I can't stress enough, find the right. help, ask for help. There is no shame. And for any of you, please listen to this. There is no shame in asking for help. Right. None. No. Right. So, and yeah. And I would just add as a final little thing, uh, there's, there's a lot of great resources out there. NAMI.org is a really great one. Uh, you can go on there and they'll, they have pages like, what do I do if my friend is considering suicide? And it'll give you a lot of great pointers. There's a lot of, um, just help on there to sort of navigate all of these issues. So that's NAMI.org. Uh, you can go there and um, get some resources. Absolutely. For anybody watching or catching the replay, please, again, contact your local suicide prevention hotline. Get in touch with either myself or Juliana. Uh, a link's in the description. If you would like us to continue this conversation on another episode, if you have questions or points that you feel like we've missed, please feel free to reach out uh, to, again, either myself or Juliana, and we will make that happen. Um, again, uh, I love yourself first, lead with love, love yourself first. There is no shame in asking for help. Um, and, and make sure that when you're asking somebody if they need help, that you're, that it's their help that, that you're looking to provide. So, well, thank you, Juliana, for joining me today. This has been uh, an impactful episode. Thank you so much for having me and talking about this issue. Absolutely. Uh, go and check out Juliana's not-for-profit. Again, linked in the description of this episode. If you want to be a guest speaker or if you have a topic you want to see featured on the show, please reach out to us at justalivetv.com. Um, if you're looking to sponsor, if you want your name up there and me saying who sponsored this episode, uh, go and again, reach out. Today's episode is Phoenix Identity. First and foremost, go to your local suicide prevention hotline if you are considering um, attempting suicide as well. If you want to reconnect to who you are, take control of your emotions and, and your identity, please reach out to us at uh, Phoenix Identity for a clarity session. All right. Uh, lots of love, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when or where you're watching. I'm Melissa Kretschler, your host. Go and check out our guest speaker, Juliana Bruno. And I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye.